hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm super pumped because we have some exciting things going on in Insurance Town, including my guest today in Carrie Wallace. As you probably noticed when you clicked on this episode, it's why you're listening, because she is amazing. And this conversation is amazing as well. I can't wait for you to hear it. Guys, I've got a new sponsor coming into the show that I can't wait to talk to you about. We are now supported by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped. With this exclusive offer, just for you, 20% off, just for being a listener of Insurance Town. And in this uh, bundle that you get, there's so much in it. There's the Lawnmower 4.0. There is the Weed Whacker, which is the nose hair trimmer. There is a pair of boxers in here. There's some ball deodorant, and uh, there's also some ball toner. You're not going to want to miss out on this opportunity 20% 20% off for using the code MAYOR. That's M-A-Y-O-R at manscaped.com. Yes, that is correct. 20% off for using the code MAYOR at manscaped.com. They've also got all kinds of cool products on there. You can do the bundle package or you can do individual products. Go check it out. Also, I've got to talk to you about my good friends over at Smart Choice, the fastest growing agency network for a reason. No lengthy contracts, no upfront fees, and they split in the bonus and contingencies with you, which is phenomenal. They only want uh, to help you to be the best agency that you can be, and they don't take anything other than a commission split off of the carriers they bring to the table, not your existing carriers. So whether you need one, two, five, ten, a whole slew uh, of contracts, Smart Choice is the way to go. Go to smartchoiceagents.com. And uh, lastly, as far as my sponsors go for the intro, we're going to talk about my friends over at Canopy Connect, your one-click solution to getting those deck pages you need to quote your prospects. That's right. You send a link, they click it, you get access to all that you need. Deck pages, driver list, you get uh, loss runs for commercial insurance. I'm telling you, it is incredible. Go to usecanopy.com and go to backslash Heath and you will get a discount and you can book your demo right then and there. I promise you guys, this is a game changer for your customer experience in your office. Guys, I got to get out of the way. I want you to stay tuned for this episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my episode, my conversation, my so much fun and laughter with Carrie. She is unbelievable. Carrie Wallace, ladies and gentlemen. Carrie Wallace, what's happening, girl? Hey, man, it is so good to see you. I uh, I love that we got to hang out a little bit in January. At oh, my the, God, yes. I know, yeah, it was like. Super fun to see you in person. I only get to see you all over LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. So it's right. so good to see you. Yeah, it was crazy that like I saw you. I was like, you know, we never have really met in person before. Like we feel like we've been friends forever, but I've never really met you. So that was cool. And I had a similar experience with Hanley. He and I have been friends for years, but never met in person. And I was, was like, holy smokes, is this really the first time we've met in person? And it was really funny. I think I walk up to you and I'm like, I'm Carrie Wallace. And you're like, yeah, I'm fully aware of who you are. But- <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. And I was just like, I, I followed you. I've been a fanboy of yours. So it's really cool to be able to sit here now in this way, even though, and this is way too much of a norm now. I hate it because I'm more of a person to person, face to face type person, but this works. Yeah, I get to does. see you here for a little bit. And hopefully we'll be back on a circuit again where I can see you again in person. But anywho, um, before we get on too far, I do want to to take a walk down memory lane with me. And let's tell the audiences, listen, that may not know who you are, a little bit who you are, where you've been, kind of where you are today. And you've got some new stuff going on in your life. So I'd love to hear some of that. Awesome. I'm happy to do that. So I currently... Um, live in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Uh, if anyone who wants to know, it's currently about 71 degrees outside, sunny, blue skies. Um, anyway. They all, they uh, all hate you right now. <laughs> anyway, I, um, I've been in the industry for about 15 years and I am not an agent. I've never sold a policy. I've never been licensed. I am a financial person that fell into insurance and boy, oh boy, do I love it. I love helping entrepreneurs help become great business owners. So my background's finance. Um, I worked, I came in through an association that was looking to merge at the state level. I helped make that happen. And then we questioned for ourselves, what is our value proposition for independent insurance agents? And there was a really brilliant board uh, made up of agents at the time. So Cesaremba is one of those people. Matt Simon is one of those people. And they basically said, we need to help agents navigate buying and selling their agencies in an informed way. And we need to leverage the data that we have as an association to help agents. And I was fortunate enough to be put in the position to lead both of those efforts. And fast forward to now, I actually have a consulting company where I do valuation and perpetuation planning services, as well as fractional CFO work. There you go. And that company is called Agency Focus? It is. Sorry, I probably left that out. Sorry. No, you're good. And so I do like that it's not, you know, uh, the title is a great title for a company because you do want to focus on the agency. And like you said, I love that you say you want to help business owners because that's exactly what we are. You know, some people come in and they lead with, I'm an insurance agent. No, you're a small business owner. That's right. That's right. I think that people get lost in some of that. And I've seen, I've been in this 20 years now. And so I'm second generation. I've seen so many producers that love to sell and they're really good at hunting and gathering and selling. But then when they become an agency owner, they don't know how to do that part of it. And I I see so many agency owners that are really good at producing kind of start floundering a little bit as an agency owner. And uh, I, I wonder, do you see that a lot as well? Well, the reality is, yes, I do see that. But the reality is the skill set to sell and the skill set to lead and manage are very different things. So I think it's why, um, you know, thankfully, I can come in and help build some of those skills up. If you if an agency owner looked to me for coverage advice, I would fail miserably. (laughs) But they look to me as what things should I be looking at? How do I, how do I organize the organization? Where should I invest? What should I be thinking about? Those are all things that I love, but that doesn't come intuitively to a salesperson. A salesperson, you know, oftentimes the, the way out of a sticky situation is to sell more, right? Yeah. Yeah. You try to outrun it or try to sell more. Yeah. I get that. Uh, And I was one of those too. I was not the best of agency owners because I, I love to sell. 
Right. I love to talk to people. I love to shake hands, kiss babies, do the whole political part of it. And that to me is one of the best things about our industry is, you know, when you get to do that, be involved in the community and do all those things. Sure. But but again, uh, and we're coming in hot already starting off, but I do want listeners that are in that boat right now that they're the probably the best salesperson in their whole town. They could sell ice to Eskimos or ketchup popsicles to a woman in white gloves or whatever it might be. <laughs> but then they're like, man, I, why am I struggling so hard as an agency owner? You know, what are some of those advice? What could you tell them right now? If you know, you're, you got an audience of 25,000 or so right here listening to you, what, well, what is it? I mean, what, what can they, what can they do? Yeah. I think one of the things you can do is study your numbers. I mean, I know that sounds terrible, but, or engage with someone that can help you study your numbers and actually think about where the opportunity is. I think everyone should know what their strengths and what their weaknesses are in anything they're doing. And your business is no different. So getting a health checkup of your agency, um, whether that's evaluation, whether that's just going through the P&L with someone to say, how am I doing? What are the benchmarks and how am I performing? And what do you see so I can be better and be able to invest the things that I need to do? I mean, the reality is, Keith, or Heath, this this marketplace is changing fast. So if you think you're going to run your agency the way it's always been run, other people are innovating. So being able to look at your numbers and see where that opportunity is, um, whether it's productivity, whether it is your staffing, whether it's your technology, all those things interplay and and getting some advice to know what to do with that, I think sets you apart. Yeah, no, I agree. And then, okay, so the flip side of that, I'm going to go, you know, I'm coming in hot now too, but (laughs) So like for me, one of the things that bothers me on the flip side of that, I've seen so many be successful in this. It drives me bonkers. I'm going to go ahead and record and say it now. When you get these, I don't know, hotshot guys that come in, they don't know a lick about insurance, but they build up a great book and turn around and sell it. The whole Mm. purpose of getting in the business was to build up because they know that they can sell it for three, four, five times value. Mm -hmm. And that on the other side of that bothers me because I'm like, I'm like you, I love this industry. I mean, good for you that you made your money and did your thing, whatever. But, you know, I don't think that's going to happen too much longer anymore, though. Do you? I think that I think it's really interesting. I think that um, the reality is multiples are at an all time high. There's no Mm -hmm. two ways around that. If anybody is not paying attention to that and doesn't know that there's an opportunity, they're living under a rock. The thing that I love, Heath, is that the average agent is concerned about, I want to take care of my staff. I want to take care of my clients. I want to protect the reputation and the legacy that I've created. I want to make sure that I leave this world a better place than what I found it. And that's what I love about this industry. There are people that are looking for the buck. But there are far more people sure. looking to work together with other people that share their values. Yeah. And that is one of the most rewarding things about my job is I get to interact with those people all day, every day, which is kind of cool. So, yes, I think it happens, but I don't think that's the rule. I think that that is part of what happens in our industry, not sure. the rule, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And I had uh, a, an agency call me the other day that was looking to purchase and uh, I got to work on both sides of this and both, like going back to what you just said, both were very concerned about the staff that was there, the clients that were there, yep. you know, the carrier relationships that were there, all of those things. 
And so when you get to be a part of two good guys coming together, that's a totally cool situation. But even then, you know, it, it's hard to come to that sometimes to that agreement or come to this or that because the seller is really, you know, territorial. Like this is my, I built this and the new person coming in has their ideas, but they do care. Anyway, there's a lot of that that goes on. And so, you know, I do like to see that, but I wonder, you know, do you see that often, you know, even though they're both have the same concerns, there's still some of that rub a little bit. Yeah. I think that, you know, here's, here's the reality. There are, I'd say probably last year, the year prior, there's probably 20 to 30 buyers for every seller. There's a yeah. there's so much demand to grow by acquisition. No question about it. I think the, um, you know, the marketplace has changed us because of interest rates rising and it's changed who some of those buyers are, but you can't think that you were going to just miraculously know the best buyer as a seller, the first person you meet. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a process and you've got to make sure that you are selective and you are true to what's most important to you and know that it may not be the person you've known for 30 years, that that might not be the right fit, but the marketplace has kind of changed where buyers and the the variety of buyers and the variety of mechanisms to buy agencies is now changed as well. It used to be kind of like there's three choices, right? Yeah. And now there's there's almost like an infinite number of choices for yeah. any seller. So I think getting informed about what those options are puts you in the driver's seat. Um, so, and I, and I'm not sure that all agents are doing that, you know? Right. Uh, you're talking about sellers. Oh yeah. I think, so. Yeah. I think sometimes you wait too long and you go with what you know, and you think there's only one way to do this. And that's not true. But like you said, there is so there's an infinite, you know, possibilities out there now. So if let's, let's, let's talk to buyers for just a minute and then we'll switch over to or sellers. Sorry. We'll talk to sellers for a minute and then we'll put on the buyer's hat for a minute too. So talking to sellers, if I'm small business owner, John Doe, and I'm looking to sell my agency, I've built a good book for my entire life, so to speak. And now I'm ready to go. How do I know where to even start? How do I know if I want to go private equity? Do I want to go with my buddy down the road who's offered to buy me for the last 10 years, which happens a lot? Or do I go with some bank? Or do I go, do I sell to a cluster? Do I sell to this? Do I, what do I, how do I even, I'm getting confused just saying all of it. So <laughs> what do I do? Where do I go, Carrie? Well, number one, I think, you know, start your process about five years before you actually want to sell. Number one, go to your numbers and say, how do I strengthen my agency as much as I possibly can? And then I would get real serious about what is most important to you. What is, you know, what is your particular situation and list out for yourself what things are most important. Start with that. If if you hear nothing else and do nothing else from this podcast, do that and be confident that you know what that is. And then I would not just talk to the agent down the street, talk to someone who actually does this for a living and get what the options are. Um, so, so often people don't seek advice and it's right here ready for you. So it's okay to talk to other agents that sold, but what I just said is their situation could be different. Their agency's makeup could be completely different and what's most important to them could be completely different than yours. So comparing yourself to them is almost like apples and oranges. And I, it's unfortunate. It's one of the biggest fallacies, I think, in our industry is to think, well, I can only do it the way agency X did it. 
Well, that's not true. There's so many yeah. other options. So There's get so some many. advice, right? So if, if you're preparing, I like that you said that because I, I say the same thing. And we do a lot of that um, where I'm at now, agency performance partners. And we talk to a lot of agents. And we do these evaluations. We do that. And so I know from that respect, like seller who's looking at five years from now, they're looking to sell, like you said, and they start, what's scary is when they do start looking at their books. They do mm-hmm. st- start looking at the raw numbers and start seeing there's a lot of things like maybe, for example, and I'm not afraid to say it's my show. Maybe Sally CSR should have been let go six, six or eight years ago. Exactly. Maybe Tommy producer should have been let go a long time ago because he's dead weight and he's not producing. Maybe such and such should have, maybe we shouldn't be writing this class of business. Maybe this carrier is killing us, but we hadn't want to do anything about it because why rock the boat? It's been working for 20 years. That becomes a difficult conversation to have a difficult place to be in, right? Sure. Absolutely. It does. Here's the, here's what I would tell you. If you take a look at your agency and you look at it as if you're selling it tomorrow, your vision is different. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about something that, you know, is, is the reality inside every single agency. I don't care who you are, but there are expenses that are discretionary inside an agency and discretionary could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But if you take the time to clean up your discretionary expenses, it actually could be a piece of technology that you wanted to try and you just didn't get rid of it. And it's still sitting there and, you know, nobody's utilizing it. Let's just use something like that all the way to a membership to a country club, like whatever it is and everything in between, right? If you do not clean things up, especially your staff and your compensation, you are now hurting the value of your agency because that buyer will have to clean that up. And if a buyer has to clean it up, they know that they will have attrition. So if it's people, compensation, really tough to not fix before you sell. If it's something like a membership, it's really easy. That's an yeah. easy thing to pull out of the PL and it doesn't mean anything to the operation of the agency, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I compare it uh, uh, often to like for us, and this is, a, <laughs> okay. So for me, I compare it to my wife and I, we look at all the damn streaming channels that we have. We've got cable, then we've got Netflix, we've got Prime, we've got Hulu, we've got every one of the streaming services out there. It's like, which ones do we have ex- even watch? You know, like we may have watched Hulu for one show like seven years ago, but we still have it. Or we get the Disney Plus because our kids were all into some, you know, Marvel at one point in time or whatever it might have been. When was the last time we watched that? Or, you know, why do we even have cable? When was the last time we turned on cable? We usually do everything streaming now. Or me traveling as much as I do, I don't have time to do anything anymore like that. And so sometimes same thing with your agency. You look through there and you're like, when was the last time we used this technology? When was the last time this happened? Whatever it might be. So yeah, I think that's good. But again, um, some people might look at like, where do I even start? What do I do? What if I do decide I'm going to use that? Some people, it could be like a hoarder mentality of like, I have to keep this because maybe we could start using it. Or maybe we could start. And I look at them like, if you haven't used it in five years, you're probably not going to. Here's the thing, um, Heath, that I would tell you. It's, it, it's funny that you get out of that mindset pretty quickly when someone's able to translate If you can drive your profitability up, and that Mm -hmm. is the number that is multiplied in order to figure out what the fair market value is of your agency, funny how quick those things come right off the page. And it's that's the difference 
of someone who thinks about their agency as a multiple of revenue and someone who actually knows that it's a multiple of profitability because that is what will cash flow a sale. So when someone is going to look to buy your agency, they have to be able to pay for it. And they're going to pay for it from the profitability of your agency and the combination of the profitability of their agency. The better you can make that look, the higher your price will be. And hopefully the better match you people will have together. There's synergies between your agencies. So it is kind of funny that hoarder mentality goes right out the window when someone can demonstrate that to you. Sure. The other thing that I tell people a lot, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, which is a foreign concept to a lot of people is firing clients. Uh, Yes. Um, it's a, it's a great exercise to go through your book of business and understand, am I even making money on these agents or on these clients? And are they actually hurting my agency? So one of the metrics that we look at is the number of policies per customer um, in personal lines and in commercial lines. And if you have a low policies per customers, I would liken that to someone is going to buy a fixer up, meaning if they buy that book of business and there's great opportunity for cross-sell, they're going to buy it at a discount. They're going to cross-sell that and they're going to round out those accounts and they will win all day, every day. Why in the world would you not do that before you're getting ready to sell? So you can actually maximize your value because that metric is one of the greatest indicators of what the retention in your book will be. So if you have a low policies per customer, if you have a ton of monoline business, we all know it's transient. No one's going to pay the same price for that as they would for someone that has three to four policies per customer. Now we're talking. So my point is there's, there's, certain things inside your book of business that you can start planning and doing to position yourself very well. There is some risk that you just cannot remove. Um, You know, businesses are risky, but there's ways to be really thoughtful about your business and position it well. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I think I'm loving this conversation already. I appreciate it already because I know there's people listening right now that are, they've turned it up a little bit. They've leaned a little bit forward because what you're saying is, so right on. And there's people in those seats right now saying, yeah, Kiri, yeah, Heath, that sounds great. But, you know, it's harder said than done when you get into it. And, you know, but again, I think you just have to start somewhere. You do. And you so do. Uh, if you're on this road right now and you're thinking about it, and here's the thing, and people tell me this all the time. I'm like, this is not a bad thing, in my opinion. What if I start to this process five years from now or five, whatever, for this five-year thing that you're talking about, or even three years, and then I just fall in love with my agency and decide to keep it? Win, win. Win, Boom. win, people. That's where yeah. I'm at. And I'm like, you know, and I, so I say, you know, to people, you know, listening right now, what if you did that anyway? You know, instead of thinking about selling, what if you started treating your agency right now? Like we're talking about, go ahead and start cleaning stuff up now, try to get some more profit. Who doesn't want profitability? And so even if you are thinking like right now, I should have let so, so-and-so go a while ago, or maybe I should let these five clients go. What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, yeah, here's what I would say is when you start taking a closer look and you know what you're looking for, because let's be real, agencies are full of all kinds of metrics and data, Uh and it's super overwhelming. If you're not a numbers person and you are a people person, like 99.9% of all salespeople, they don't like numbers. They don't want to look at spreadsheets. I understand I'm an anomaly, but 
here's the deal. If you start looking at it and you're looking at the metrics that can actually help you build something and find opportunity, the beautiful thing is um, it, it actually becomes kind of exciting and not as overwhelming if you know what to look at and which metrics to pay attention to, because it's driving you to do something. It doesn't just seem like overwhelming, busy work. And that's what financials look like to a lot of people who are not don't have a financial bent, right? So it's really important to have someone say, here's what you need to look at and here's what you're looking for. And this is the action it can drive you to. My best example is someone says, I know I need to hire. I know I need to grow, but I can't do it. Like I I don't know if I can afford to. Having someone go through your PL is a really eye-opening thing to be able to say, we can afford it. And here's how. And here's what the options are. It shows you what decisions you're right. already making, right? Exactly. And the opposite is true as well. People that grow and they try to hire too many people and they don't have the money to do it. And they're like, why am I, you know, in right. the red? why am I hard? Why? And like, well, right. you tried to do too much or you weren't focused on that. So I, I want to. Before I get into the other side of it, and I had no clue, we didn't script this out, obviously, so I'm loving where we're at, but I want to get into a conversation I've had a lot lately that is somewhat controversial, but I want to know your thoughts on this, if I can get you, if not, I can edit it out, I promise. But the second generation situations, when you got dad wanting to sell to mom or mom and dad or mom and dad wanting to sell to son or daughter. And I've had certain situations where a dad will come to me in private and say, or a mom or whatever, and say, I, I, I can't do this to give us to my son. Cause that's my livelihood, but I could sell it to somebody for four times or I could gift it to my son or sell it to them for one and a half times or whatever, but I'm losing. Does that make sense? Yep. We're at a mid roll ad. And I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Carrie Wallace as I am. And I know that you guys are getting so much out of this. And the second half of this is so good. So make sure you stay in with that. But I want to talk to you right now about my friends over at CoverDesk, your premier solution for virtual assistance. And some of you guys may have been skeptical in the past about it, but they are the now, the here and now, and the future of running your agency. If you're you know, looking to hire somebody, if you're looking to offload some tasks, if you're looking for a project, you can hire multiple VAs for a team approach with CoverDesk Direct. Uh, that is a perfect opportunity for people that are uh, looking to do a book roll or right now with the way the rates are right now, you may just want them to, to help you quote your new business uh, or quote your renewals, whatever you might need there. Go to CoverDesk.com and let them know the mayor sent you. Uh, you're going to be so proud that you did. Virtual assistants are the best way right now to get some of that stuff done. They become part of your team and you're going to be so glad uh, that they are. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I think that I think it's a perfect example of how people think there's only one or two options out there. So here's the reality. Um, if you have an agency and you've built it up, part of the value of that agency is the new um, young energy inside the people, it, it will always be the most valuable thing you've got going, right? Um, your people and your book of business, obviously. So, but the people have the relationships to keep the book of business in place. So, if I were talking to that father and he's trying to weigh, do I do I take a loss 
and sell to my son or do I sell externally? And what would that do? I would ask him, is there a way to do both? Is there a way to find a transition that will give the son a minority stake in the agency, be able to sell externally and continue to grow with the support of an infrastructure that's out there and all and set set it's a win-win for everyone? Is that an option? Most people do not think that way. And I those structures are out there. There are organizations looking for the 30-somethings, the 40-somethings to grow with them. And it's not something to ignore. You know, I I would weigh all your options. Again, it goes back to what's most important to that dad, what's most important for the people that depend on him inside that agency, what's most important for those clients, and is there a win-win? Yeah, I I love that. I've seen that situation. There's a lot of agencies that go into it. I would never even know that they had sold to a bigger conglomerate because they still have that minority stake. They're still able to come in their agency. It's still the same name Yep. and all of that. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm okay with any of that kind of stuff. I don't really get a say, but it's cool to see that Yeah. because yeah, yeah. they, like you said, there's so many more options out there than just the guy down the street or some big conglomerate. So uh, that's really cool. Uh, and so I'm hoping that, you know, people are hearing this and realizing what you're saying, that there are other options. If nothing else, there's more options out there. And so as we transition for a minute, I'm interested in hearing from a seller's or a buyer's perspective. What do you, okay, because a lot of buyers I've talked to, and you probably have too, they have that buyer's remorse like, oh my God, what did I buy? Mm-hmm. You know, or the books were cooked or this or that was going on. What's the first thing you would tell them as you're going into that opportunity to purchase a book? Where where do you start? So I would start the same place, actually. Know your own business before you start and purchase another agency and figure out what the best fit for you is. If you understand your own business and your own strengths and weaknesses, you now can look at that potential acquisition to say, does that amplify my weaknesses? Does that strengthen some of my weaknesses? Um, And But you have to have that perspective and know how to look at it, number one. Number two, have your sales pitch ready. Like what is your elevator speech to a potential seller? And you know, do not underestimate the fact that people want to do business with people they trust. They want to take care of their staff. They want to take care of their customers. They want to keep the same culture in place. So just because you may not be able to offer the highest price, you might be the one, the right fit for a buyer. But so know what your strengths are. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something to that. I would also caution you to don't fall in love with everything that comes across your desk for gun. Like there, it is not true that every buyer is right for every seller and every seller is right for every buyer. Amen. You got to know what makes sense, right? So start Amen. with your own business and that will actually give you a pathway that makes sense. What is, what's a red flag that you see typically that is overlooked a lot or should be looked at more as you're looking to buy an agency. Yeah, so I'll I'll give you a couple examples. So knowing the carrier mix between what you have and what someone else has and not oh. understanding that you listen, not every carrier is going to do business with every agency and not understanding that 
you know, you thought you were buying something and were going to automatically be uh, appointed by a carrier that you've been looking to have only to find out they do not appoint you and you're now in the middle of a book roll, that is not a good situation. So that's a, that's a definite red flag that I think people wait too long. They keep it quiet. And then all of a sudden they sign a deal and don't realize I can't get the appointment. That's not a good deal. Second is technology. Listen, if you buy an agency and that has, and listen, people are the most valuable asset, period. If you buy an agency and that agency has technology in place or has never used technology, and now you're expecting them to get on your technology, that could be a huge learning curve and you could be sorely mistaken and actually lose these valuable staff that really can't acclimate to your technology, your expectations, your culture. Um, those are, I mean, there's the list goes on and on to be quite honest with you. Get to know the people, get to know the culture. Do not underestimate culture. What's on the What's on the papers that you look at in doing your due diligence is very, very small piece of what you need to assess. But I would also get really clear on what due diligence is and what things you need to make sure you um, you take a look at to make sure you're not overpaying for an agency because it can't cash flow and you didn't get the right advice and you don't know that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. Uh, and, and so my question that I get sometimes, and I don't know the answer, so I'm, I'm glad I have you on. So <laughs> someone that's got, let's say a million dollar revenue book, We'll talk mm -hmm. revenues. Um, and there's an opportunity to buy a $2 million revenue shop. Mm -hmm. Should you, is that okay to buy a shop bigger than you? Or should you always look for one smaller than yours? Um, it's okay to look at an agency at any size to make sure as long as you have the ability to cash flow. So if that agency's profitability combined with your agency's profitability gives you enough cash flow to pay the loan for that agency, of course. And honestly, Heath, there are smaller agencies that have infrastructure that makes sense for them to be the buyer of an agency that actually has more volume, but yet can't get beyond where they're going because they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the process. I mean, you know this and the work that you're doing today. So it really doesn't in this case, size maybe just doesn't matter. It matters what you can cash flow. And the combination of two agencies come together creates synergies, which makes one buyer maybe much more um, beneficial than another because of the synergies. If they have the same carrier mix and now you've maxed out contingencies with Six, six carriers rather than three, imagine what that does to the profitability and the cash flow of that deal. If one's part of a network cluster or alliance that has negotiated rates and stabilizes contingencies, a whole different story. Um, we can talk about uh, networks, clusters, and alliance for a long time. I'm not, I, that's one way that it's a benefit. There's also a way that it could actually you know, close down what your options are from a selling perspective as well. So they're not all created equal. Just know that that's a factor. But my point is, it's not just the size of the agency. It's the culture, it's the infrastructure, and it's the ability to be able to pay whatever loan makes sense and make that work. Now, there was, I don't know if this still happens a lot now, but early on when I first came in, I started hearing about all this there was a lot of talk of you know agency finance and people just paying back with their own money or whatever it might be. 
And then obviously there's the, you know, the bank transition and there's the the loans and whatnot. Do you still see agency finance? Does it still work? Is it still oh. something you would suggest to either side of the table? I definitely don't suggest it. Um, that's for sure. Um, does it does it work? Um, there's a statistic that says about 60% of internal transactions um, won't cash flow and they have to be renegotiated. Um, there's a high percentage. And the reason the reason that occurs, let's say I own an agency and I'm selling it to my daughter. And I have in my mind, because Joe down the street sold his agency for four times revenue, therefore, I think I should also be able to sell my agency. I don't speak in times revenue ever, ever, but I'm just telling you the scenario that typically I would hear. Let's say I assume I can get a certain price. I've done no due diligence. I've not figured out what cash flows, but that's the price I want. I put it in place and say, you can pay me. I'm going to hold the note very low interest for 25 years. You know what I just did? I just made her life horrible because she can't invest in that agency because she's indebted to me. And I made our Thanksgiving dinners really difficult because it really doesn't cash flow and it doesn't set us up for success. So I would tell you, yes, um, owner held financing occurs. If you're going to do that, go see a bank and see if it will cash flow first. Do not set something in place that is bound to fail because it hurts people, it hurts families. It's not a smart move. So at least get informed. It's okay if you don't actually get the bank loan, but find out what a bank would loan and yeah. set your price based on that. Okay. I like that. Um, because, you know, I, I always wonder that, you know, what that always looks like. I assumed what you had just said, but you know what that means when you assume. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to go that route too far, but there's a lot of that goes on still. Uh, those backdoor deals where those, you yeah. know, good old boy situations and hopefully, you know, those work, but uh, as a buyer, uh, and there's a lot of on both sides of the table, buyer or seller, there's a lot of uh, impatience that goes on there. And so people think it could happen a lot quicker than it should, or it shouldn't take as long. So how typically how long could you prepare in your mind? Think about how long should it take? From you know, I get, the, I get that question all the time. And I think it really does depend. But I would tell you this to get a valuation so you know what you're buying. To yeah. actually go through a process and sign a letter of intent, go through due diligence where you share information, engage a lender, that should be at least a four-month process, just okay. so you're aware. Three okay. to four months at a minimum. And if not, you probably didn't look hard enough. You probably okay. and listen, you got to get to know their staff. You got to get to know uh, their culture. You need to really think about these things. So I'm saying for yeah. an agency, this is this is when people are involved, you know, you're combining cultures. If you're buying a book, it could certainly be faster than that, but right. Still need to know what you're buying and you need to do some due diligence and you need to seek some advice. This is not something, you know, you would not buy a house without some kind of advice, right? Right. Your agency is your largest asset. Do not buy or sell your largest asset without some kind of advice. That doesn't make any sense, right? Exactly. 
right. no, you're exactly right. And so I just, you know, I get that. So I'm glad you get it too. So I get that a lot too. People asking how long should it take? And, you know, I see, I tell people, if you're expecting to buy an agency, be done by the end of the month. No, it ain't going to happen. You know, it's got, it's going to take some time. It's not like buying a house where 30 days later, you've got it. And it's all said and done. It doesn't work that way. And so. Yeah. My you know, favorite is, you know, they call me October 1st and they want to close by 1231 and they haven't even gotten a value done yet. It's like, uh, that's going to be a tricky one. Just so you right. know, that's going to be a little tricky. And that's a red flag in itself. Yeah, right. They're wanting to move that quickly. What's wrong? Why are you wanting out so quick? Or why do you want to buy so quick? What's the, right. what's the issue? Right. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that out too. So, you know, talk to me. Okay, so this is something you had these conversations on a regular. Is this something that you focus a lot of your time on with ABC Focus? Or are you spending time with current agency owners just looking to improve their businesses or both? Like, where do you spend most of your time right now? Yeah. So the core of what we do is agency valuation. It's the best way to understand your business. And Whether you're looking um, to sell or not. That's actually, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I do a lot of valuations on agencies that are looking for their baseline. They want to work on their business. They're not sure if they want to acquire. They're not sure if they want to sell. They might be interested in selling, but they want to know what is my baseline. And what should I do to prepare for either? So I have people who come to get their own valuation because they want to acquire. And um, oftentimes it's, I want to grow by acquisition. So I want to think about what target I would have and how to invest in my agency in order to position myself the best to grow by acquisition. Um, I get plenty of people that it's internal. Um, We want to do an internal transition and I want to know what the Uh, fair market value is. And then I want to know how I can model an internal transaction. So I I do a fair amount of work in that space. But obviously, once I look at someone's business, there's all these other things that come up. Um, So I do some fractional CFO work as well, where I act as a sounding board as they're looking to hire, as they're contemplating technology, as they're contemplating um, network relationships. I act as someone who can help them know how to weigh all the options that are in front of them and almost as an extension of their team. Yeah. And so, and I see that a lot of, of agencies, I do a lot of work with producers and they look up and they've got this whole stable of producers and not a single one of them is being profitable. Yeah. Not a yeah. single one of them. And it's like, we might need, but it makes it difficult when it's like, you might want to restructure their comp pay. You might want to restructure their commissions. You might want to restructure this or that. It's like, how? I've been paying them X amount percentage on commission for this long. I can't go in now and change their comp plan, can I? Super hard to do. I mean, you can, but you've got to do it in a stepped approach and you've got to you've got to show a pathway to why this is a win-win-win all the way around. I actually spoke to an agency this morning about their comp structure for their producers, for their account managers, and creating a small business unit. And the introduction of that small business unit will have an impact on the comp structure and the workload across that whole agency. So again, that's a perfect example of, you know, what falls out of looking at the financials and seeing what the opportunities are. And honestly, it'll position this agency for growth and scale, which is the name of the game, right? Yeah. And I, I, so you're, you have those conversations with agencies as well. So, you know, I, I'm very excited for you and I don't know, I guess, how long has it been? uh, Agency focus has been in, in play now. Agency focus has been around for two years and three months, but who is counting? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
two years, three months. Um, and I, so tell me some of the things I didn't want you. I, I told you in the beginning, I didn't want a commercial, but I do now because I'm proud for you. I'm happy Thank for you. you. And all I hear is so many wonderful things about what you're doing. And so those listening right now that might have resonated with some of this, that might want to give you a shout or might want to reach out to you uh, or hear more from you. Tell us a little bit. Yeah. So you, I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, I, uh, yeah. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My website is agency-focus.com. You can reach out to me there. Um, you know, I'd love to connect with anyone, to be quite honest, anyone who wants to work on their agency and actually understand their financials. I try to do it in a way that's um, engaging and not as intimidating as numbers can be, you know, like that's the, that's the biggest yeah. thing. So I'm, I'm around, but you can certainly check out uh, my website. I also have a podcast, which is called insurance refocused. I do that with my daughter. Um, again, trying to get some of these stories out there about agents that uh, from agents to other agents. So they know that the same things they're struggling with, there's other agents out there doing that as well. So that's been a really fun endeavor to, uh, to start that podcast with my daughter. So anyway, the, I would, I would be happy to reach out, but I appreciate that. It's been a really cool two years and three months and we're really excited about where we're building. Yeah, that is super exciting. And so, and I know there's people that, cause I've had the calls, I've had the emails. So I've brought her on, I've introduced you to her. She's given you how to find her. There's no excuses anymore. And so I would ask as we shut down a little bit, is there any burning piece of advice we haven't gotten to share or any advice that you would want to share with anyone listening right now, as we kind of wind down a little bit, that maybe we didn't get to share. Damn it, he didn't ask me that question. I had a great answer for it. I think the biggest thing is, you know, don't go into this blindly and don't not plan. Time is your friend. And if you plan, you've got all kinds of options. If you wait too long, your options get smaller and smaller. So use the gift of time and build a plan for your agency. It's your largest asset. It deserves your time and energy. That's what I would tell you. Time is our friend. There you go. I like that. Good advice. And um, I've got uh, on, a, on a bucket list to come to Hilton Head someday. And oh, so, please do. That would be and, amazing. Uh, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to get over there. I've never been. Um, I've always also wanted to go to Charleston, which I don't know how far that is from you. I've always wanted to just go in that, that whole area over there. Savannah, Charleston, Hilton Head. Yeah. So uh, you got to do it. If you do look me up, I will be your tour guide and I'm happy to show you all around. My daughter lives in Charleston. That's two hours from me. So we oh. can, we can make the whole tour Heath. We can make this happen. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Okay. Yes. So I just invited myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, the mayor's coming. So Woo-hoo! anyway, I appreciate your time and I know the audience does too. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I have to have you back because we had a couple other topics we didn't even get, get into. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today in the show. I love your feedback and I love getting emails from you. So please uh, don't be shy. Don't uh, hesitate email me heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. It's one of my favorite things as I uh, continue to get four and five, six, seven, eight, nine emails a week from you guys, sometimes even more, sometimes a little less, but I love it every time, whether it's a show guest that you want to introduce me to, or if you want to introduce yourself to the audience, I would love to interview you. And I'd love to tell your story. Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. 
go and uh, smash the like button, subscribe button. Uh, go hit the five-star review and write a little note. I'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea for your own show, go to GetReadySetPodcast.com. That's GetReadySetPodcast, turning your brilliant ideas into reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.